Rennie Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. And together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after what I would think has to be, has to be rock bottom for this Winnipeg Jets, uh, unless they can find a way to go further. This night is an absolute disaster for the Winnipeg Jets, never mind on the out-of-town scoreboard uh, with both the Nashville Predators and the Calgary Flames picking up wins here. But for the Winnipeg Jets to go out and be, I mean, the only team that the San Jose Sharks have beaten over the last however many stretch, I think it's in their last 16 games, they have two wins, and they both come against the Winnipeg Jets. This, this is not a game that the Winnipeg Jets can lose in the situation they are in. The Winnipeg Jets, and you've all heard me talk about it and listen, I see the comments in the chat room. I see all the texts. I see all the uh, messages that I'm getting from everyone, both on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, uh, about me talking about the Winnipeg Jets making the playoffs. Let's be honest. The Winnipeg Jets making the playoffs was something that was almost like not a statistical guarantee, but it would be difficult for the Winnipeg Jets not to make the playoffs. It is still largely, largely in their favor. Look, if the Winnipeg Jets were to go three and four over their last seven games, it puts the Calgary Flames in a situation where they need to go essentially four, two, and one. Like there's there's not a lot of room for error for the Calgary Flames coming up against the Winnipeg Jets. And you know what I've said in the past about my faith in the Calgary Flames in that I don't have any faith in the Calgary Flames, but what we've talked about and what I talked about after the last game against the LA Kings, the signs that you're looking for from a capable team like the Winnipeg Jets showing signs towards turning things around and heading in the right direction. If you take a look at the Calgary Flames, never mind the game they had tonight, but if you take a look at their stretch of the last five, six, seven games, they are showing signs. They're not blowing anyone's doors off. You can see the teams that are gearing up and getting ready for the playoffs. Like Vegas just lost their first game in seven, I believe, tonight. The Edmonton Oilers are showing what they're capable of doing. The LA Kings have been showing what they're capable of doing. The Dallas Stars keep rolling. The Minnesota Wild are finding a way to do things and stay atop the Central Division. The Colorado Avalanche have woken up, and now with the loss of the uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights, they've got a shot to push and potentially get into the first place spot in the Western Conference. So that if the Winnipeg Jets were ever able to get there, that could be the team that they're running into. One of the one way or the other, it's a pick your poison situation. The, the Calgary Flames are not that, but. They are at least showing signs. This, to me, is an unacceptable game. And I know that there will be some people out there who have the cheery attitude that they are just always looking for the silver lining in the cloud for their team, certain Jets fans like that tonight. There's going to be people out there who take a look at this game and say if they're looking at the advanced stats on a night like tonight, they're going to say that the Winnipeg Jets were ahead when it came to Corsi and uh, definitely ahead in shots for and scoring chances for. They almost doubled up the San Jose Sharks. They had 40. The San Jose Sharks had 22. To me, this is the one here. The high danger chances for. The Jets had 17 but they had 15 against in this game. 
The San Jose Sharks, I don't look at this game and see that the Jets were dominant in this game. I look at the Jets playing from behind so they get more shots. They get they have to push more. They have to open up their risk profile, and that usually comes, uh, you know, that, that score affects, right? The Jets have to push harder to try and get into that game. The Sharks don't have to push. And yet the Sharks, to me, looked just as capable of getting high-danger scoring chances to Winnipeg Jets on this night. And for every time that you saw the Jets go down into the Sharks' end and push and push and push the way that we know they can, the one thing that I've noticed from the Jets lately has been that they get that push, and then all of a sudden the puck will go the other direction and there will be just as dangerous chance uh, down the other direction. The Jets' ability to you know, push the, push the play and then do that, let's go get the puck back thing, it's getting to be non-existent. And one of the things that should be most concerning we saw it on this night is the Winnipeg Jets going down and getting the push in that zone. It's usually coming from the third or fourth line. And the reason, the reason, and this is astounding, the reason that the Jets push that their momentum is disappearing is because their top lines are getting out and they're giving away all that momentum and going back in their own zone and getting outplayed like on an, this Sharks team should not be able to outplay anyone, and they haven't been able to. You take a look at what they've been able to do over the last little while. This Winnipeg Jets team went toe-to-toe with the San Jose Sharks tonight, blow for blow with the San Jose Sharks, a team that other teams are just... they they This is not a team in the same league as everyone else, but they're in the same league as the Winnipeg Jets right now. The Winnipeg Jets tonight... You know, some will argue they should have got a better fate. They they deserved a better fate in this. I won't argue that. I won't argue that for a second. I thought the San Jose Sharks went out tonight and were the better team when it mattered. Uh, yes, they had a goaltender who stole some saves from them. To say that Connor Hellebuck didn't play a role in stopping a lot of high-danger chances on this night would be a disservice to Connor Hellebuck in this situation. This is the Winnipeg Jets' inability to hang with a team that is very likely the the worst in the NHL at a time where the Jets need to be able to find something. And they found nothing on this night. Now, I'm not saying there weren't certain players that made pushes. Morgan Barron was a guy who looked great tonight, drew a penalty for a power play that can't get anything going. Adam Lowry was battling all night tonight. Uh, the, the fourth line was was at least trying to create. I thought that there was this was a night where, you know, Josh Morrissey went down and was in behind the net and passed a puck to the front of the net uh, and almost created a goal. A great save by Reimer, but uh, he was jumping up and doing the things that he should be doing. When you take a look at all the shots that were happening, uh, those shots, a good chunk of them are coming from the point. This is just a sign. If you want to know, why there aren't wholesale benchings for the top lines on this team. People keep questioning, well, why don't they just put those lines, make them the fourth line and putting everyone else out there? Well, here's the reason why. You can see when they're not going, even with the third and fourth lines going, which they were tonight, you can't you can't win in the NHL if your top guys aren't producing. And the top guys aren't producing for the Winnipeg Jets. And this is interesting. I saw this comment right off the start. Uh, Jeep guy, 6969 says anybody ready to see some snake charmer offense yet. Any offense would be good at this point, at least when they are playing that way, they actually won games. Embarrassing. If you think that the Winnipeg Jets 
playing snake charmer offense is the answer here. You need to wake up. I'm going to give a can we wake up because guess what, Jeep guy 6969, that's what they're doing out there. That's what they're trying to do. That's why they're not scoring. They're going out. The, the third and fourth lines are at least taking the puck to the net and trying to create some chaos and getting goals off. We've seen the Lowry score, score goals like that, this lately. We'll get into this conversation about what we heard from Mark Shifley after the game about his thought process between holding on to the puck and getting it to the front of the net. But we saw multiple instances tonight of Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley playing the kind of game that you are calling for. The, the kind of game you are calling for, you're getting it. This is what it looks like. This is why this is a style of game that I've called out for years and call out at the beginning of the year whenever it starts to rear what I perceive as its ugly head, even though it produces pretty goals, because that kind of offense doesn't work at this time of year. And that's what we saw here tonight. That's what we saw turning pucks over, trying to go against the grain, making pretty passes. You want to know what happened? Like, I know everyone's going to say that this is entirely Shifley's fault on that second goal. You want to know why that that he ends up turning that puck over? The puck is on the boards to Blake Wheeler, and rather than leaving it for Shifley to skate into or moving it up the boards for him to skate into, he throws it at his stick and puts it in the one spot where Shifley's defender the one guy, the one spot on Shifley where he can steal that puck away from him. And that's what he does and turns it around, heads up, and he scores. Now, I know everyone looks at this and it's and Shifley is a target right now, as he should be. He's not producing the way that he should. But this is a wholesale mindset from more than Mark Shifley that is costing this team at this stage and has it so that they are not able to produce at a time of year where they need to be producing but this is an unmitigated disaster. And I'll tell you this on this night. Everyone's talking about the Rennie playoff guarantee. And yes, I've been going around and I've been saying this. And I'll still say at this moment, the numbers suggest the Jets should get here. But I'm going to tell you a situation why I'm just like the, the guarantee. I don't give a rat's ass if they make it in the end. I'm not going to turn around and say I never wavered at any point. The Jets are in trouble after tonight. And here's why they're in trouble, especially with the Calgary Flames. I still say to this day, everyone who talks about the Nashville Predators coming and making it back uh, and, and surpassing the Winnipeg Jets and the games that they have in hand and everything like that. Yes, they look good tonight because they beat the Boston Bruins. However, in their last seven games, they've lost four of their last seven games. What does their last seven games coincide with? It coincides with the schedule that I kept telling everybody about that it was going to get hard all of a sudden. So a team that had gone 8-0-2 or 8-2-0 or whatever they had in their previous, uh, previous 10 games before this schedule hit is now a sub-500 team. They can't get up into the playoffs over the Calgary Flames or the Winnipeg Jets if they continue being a sub-500 team. And I fully expect them to continue being a sub-500 team because their schedule is too hard. But the Calgary Flames are a different story. Tonight is a massive win for the Calgary Flames because they beat, not only do they beat the LA Kings, but they had eight games remaining, and two, two of those eight games were against teams over the playoff line. One was the LA Kings, who have been a juggernaut as of late. The other, the other is the Winnipeg Jets. So right now, after winning that game, Calgary has launched themselves into a spot where six of their next seven games are against teams below the playoff line, and the only team they play above the playoff line is the Winnipeg Jets, who look 
like they belong in a race with the San Jose Sharks right now. That's where they look like they belong. Let's look at the Calgary Flames schedule. They just beat the Kings 2-1. Now they play the Canucks, then the Ducks, then the Blackhawks, then the Jets, then the Canucks again, then the Predators, which could be a grind. I mean, the way things are going right now with the Winnipeg Jets, maybe that second last game of the season between the Predators and the Flames will be the true fight for that eighth playoff spot. And they round out their last game of the season. So if the Jets string this out and it comes down to their very last game of the season, well, the Calgary Flames play the San Jose Sharks with their very last game of the season on Wednesday, April 8th. On that same night, the Winnipeg Jets play the Colorado Avalanche. Now, if anyone thinks that the Colorado Avalanche are going to be ready to hang it up at that point, it's going to be pretty hard for them too because they're being pushed by the Minnesota Wild, who... The Winnipeg Jets play in the game before that last game of the season, and they're getting pushed by Dallas, and they're trying to push and get into first place in the league. So the Colorado Avalanche have everything to play for down the stretch, as do the Minnesota Wild. So the the Calgary Flames will play their last game of the year against the San Jose Sharks. If the Jets haven't put themselves in a good position by then, you can very likely kiss the playoffs goodbye. But I go back and I talk about the original point Seven games remaining, and the Calgary Flames only have one game against the team above the playoff line in the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets' next five games are against teams below the playoff line, but two of those are against the teams chasing them. This is where things get sticky, and I just said it to you. The final two games of the season come against the Minnesota Wild and the Colorado Avalanche, who are going to be motivated to win those games. The Jets cannot be giving away games like they gave away tonight because at the they can't expect they can't expect to win those games at the end of the year, especially the way they're playing, especially the way that they've been playing since since the middle of January. I mean, never mind what they looked like tonight in going toe to toe and being right there in the same league as the worst team in the league. They would have had a hard time beating these teams at the top of their game when they were playing well in October and November. The Jets are in trouble here all of a sudden. They are in trouble. Now, is this still in their favor? Listen, they, they, they've, got, they've got the path to the playoffs right in front of them. Never mind the fact that the Calgary Flames, just two points behind, have to get three points ahead of them. Even if the Jets, even if the Jets go three and four down the stretch, Calgary's got to go four, two, and one. That's not a lot of room for error for the Calgary Flames. And that's the Jets playing absolutely atrocious. Although if the Jets are only going to get three wins, well, they've got Detroit that they've got to play against. They've got uh, San Jose coming up again. They've got those two teams like we talked about in in the uh, um, uh, Calgary Flames and the Nashville Predators. But this is not an easy schedule down the stretch here. This was not a game to be giving away if you were the Winnipeg Jets. This is a problem. They've put themselves in a bad spot. They still control their own fate, ladies and gentlemen. But if they cannot generate enough emotion to not look like this was at best a coin flip between them and the San Jose Sharks on this night, you can kiss everything goodbye. I didn't think it was possible. I could not ignore 
I can no longer ignore the possibility of the Winnipeg Jets missing the playoffs, never mind ignoring the fact that they may very well have put themselves in a position to be unlikely to make the playoffs despite the advantage they have, despite their fate being in their own hands. This is a team that looks like it is falling apart at the seams. This, to me, looked like a team that has given up. The looks on the faces of their leaders at the end of that game was not the faces of leaders. It was the faces to me of players that have lost all hope and are not pushing down the stretch here. That's a massive problem. That's the way I saw things. Let's bring in the man who is in the business and talk to the, sorry, let's bring in the man who was down there and talk to a lot of the players involved that we're talking about here. Also the man with the best music in the business. It's time to bring in Kenny, everybody. Kenny, I need to fit some positivity into this because uh, my run at the beginning of this show was just absolute sure. doom and gloom. So I'm going to say you look like a million bucks, my friend. Uh, and you're going to look like a million bucks when you're dressed up by the boys at Vittorio Rossi, Frankie and the boys. If you want to look like Kenny, you don't want to look like Rennie. Rennie looks like, I, you know what? I can't even remember if I showered today, the way things are going. You don't want to look like that. Kenny, you look like a million bucks, and Frankie and the boys are responsible for it. So you want to look like Kenny, head on down to Vittorio Rossi on Corden Avenue. Tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. Say hi to Frank and the boys for us while you're down there. Uh, Frankie and the boys, I think you're going to be with us at our year-end party, Ken. That's going to be a ton of fun. So uh, looking forward to that. Ken, I like this comment here by Terry Trey because it's a good way for me to open up what we were talking about Mm -hmm. uh, or what we should be talking about here. Terry Trey says, what is that expression? When someone shows you who they are, believe them. The Jets showed us last season. I think there's something to be said about this, but I ask you, Ken, at this stage, the way that the Winnipeg Jets played tonight, being the only team to lose to the uh, San Jose Sharks in the last 16 games, never mind that they did it twice. Did the Winnipeg Jets show us who they are tonight? Well, it's certainly possible. Um, you need to leave the door open for the seven games, but that wasn't good enough. And first of all, congr- thank you for the professional tap dancing job. I'm sorry. Uh, based on what was said in the post game by Mark Shifley and especially Rick Bonus, uh, it, that story needed a, a little more massaging uh, than I originally hoped when I texted you about the timing, Sean. So this was bad. And for folks who noticed on Saturday that I wasn't necessarily my uh, rosy disposition type of person, this was why. Th- this, this was a possibility after Saturday. And that's why I wasn't as half glass, glass half full-ish as some people normally say. So uh, I think the reality is that the Jets, the Jets have lost twice to the worst team in the NHL, Sean, in, in the last 12 games. So to me, when you are being chased down by other teams in a playoff race, uh, 
and you can't beat a team that is openly tanking and you yeah. only get one point, that that is an indication of what this team currently is. And it's troubling for Jets fans. We understand that. And I would understand why most people are uh, completely befuddled by this group. And Rick, Rick Bonus, Sean, is befuddled by this group also. Whether it was the, his words, which were very direct, and his body language when asked about Mark Shifley, th- those things can't be ignored here. We, we've been talking about this for weeks now. Mark Shifley's now nine games without a goal. I, I do give Mark credit for, fa- if you want to call it facing the music, fine. Uh, the fact the matter of Mark came out to speak to the media, that, that's part of his job. But I do think it was important for him to do so because he hasn't, he's been one of the players that hasn't been good enough. And Scooter was asking, what did Mark Shifley say? Among the many things Mark Shifley said was something that I find very important, but it needs to be talked about with action. We're paid to produce, so we have to produce. That's the simplest way to put it. You know me especially. I've got to score goals. I've got to make plays. I've got to create opportunities offensively, create some good chances and some goals. We need more of it. We need plays. We need to handle the puck better. We need to do a lot better. That starts with me. And then he said something about practice, and he said, that's going to be my mindset. Uh, And he admitted that the struggles during this nine games have been tough on him. So that's a start. It's important for Mark, and I think it was important for him. He hasn't spoken since the day or two days after the benching. And some people ask why, and this is part of it. Mark isn't very open at times when things aren't going well, so he doesn't always get asked for. Yes, he wears a letter. We know he's part of the leadership group. But sometimes you're looking for quotes that are a little bit more illuminating, I guess, Sean, is what I would say. But ultimately... What Mark said is important, but it needs to be followed by action. Because Mark Scheifele needs to be a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets. Right now, he has not been a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets at a time when they need him most. So that's the most important part of the equation. It's the actions must match the words. In terms of Rick Bonus's comments, Sean, Mr. Truth Serum was back today. And what he said was very telling. And it is pointed at several members of the core group, even though he did not mention them directly by name. But the fact that... what, Anyways, for people who did not see the press conference involving Rick Bonus, you should look at it and listen to it. But what he did say, what he said is this. I'd say we created enough scoring chances. The offense gave us a chance to win the game. We just didn't score. Then the inconsistencies with some of our players is hurting us. Some of these guys think they're giving us everything in their tank. They're dreaming. We have a lot of guys in there giving us everything they can. We just need a few more guys to jump on board. It's not over. We're still in eighth spot. We're going to find out what we're made of in the next little while. And there too, Rick has been pretty consistent with that type of part of the message, Sean. When I asked Rick Bonus, how do you reach some of those players that are hurting the team? There comes a point when your pride has to take over. 
How do you reach them? Question mark. There comes a point when your personal pride has to take over. If someone has to go in there and point that out to them, then there's a big problem right there. As I said, we're going to find out what we're made of, and we're going to find out what everyone in that room is made of over the next little while. I'd be curious. I know what I thought, Sean, but I'd love to hear your thoughts too as I step back from the table briefly here, because that's as stern an indictment as Rick Bonus has delivered in a season that has had plenty of true serum in it. Rick Bonus is going to war with the players on this team who aren't playing. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder if he's even doing it at this stage to try and motivate them. I wonder if this is a coach who's getting to the end of a rope, who's who's looking at the very distinct possibility that he is going to have been the coach of a team that had one of the most epic flameouts that we've ever seen before. A team first yeah. placed in the conference in January and falling out of the playoffs. Wild. And I think this is one of these situations where he has to a large degree, even as much as he's been truthful, Ken, throughout the year, to a large degree found a way to, in that truth, protect his players behind the scenes and is seeing that his players are entirely checked out against him, but worse, never mind checked out, actively doing the opposite of what he's asking them to do, and he's no longer willing to hide, hide them Uh, in plain sight anymore he's coming out and he's letting everybody know out there now i don't know what rick bonus's future is i don't know if he's uh you know going to be the winnipeg jets coach next year i don't know if he wasn't if he'd be interested in moving on or heading out somewhere but regardless it seems to me that there's a little bit of and, and i don't blame him for this it may sound selfish but a little bit of legacy protecting a little yeah. bit of, you know what, things fell apart and anyone who wants to point the finger at me and say this was my system or this was this or this was that, by the end of this, I was openly at war with my room and needed to call them out in the media. Like, that is crazy. There's yeah. players in there that if they think they're giving their all, what did he say? They're dreaming? Yes. I mean, what he think said. about Think about this for a second. Think if you are Mark Scheifele or Blake yeah. Wheeler or players that we know that he is talking to and your your co- head coach is say, like, and we know from Rick Bonus if he's saying it to us in the media, he said it to us behind yeah. the scenes. He said it to this, the players. This guy has gone to the players and said it, it, it specifically to these players because we know who he's talking about. We know that uh, Menelainen is doing what Menelainen can do. Stenland is doing what he can do. Adam Lowry is going all out. Morgan Barron is doing what he can do. We know when he talks about the players that are giving everything they have. We, we know. And, hey, you know what? This is what I loved about Rick Bonus when he came in right off the bat. He's like, you can see it. I'm not going to tell you what you're not seeing out there. Rick Bonus knows that you can, myself, Everyone in this chat room can walk and watch a game like that and yeah. see who's pulling on the rope and who's decided to go rogue and do their own thing. Rick Bonus has gone and said to these players, you are dreaming if you think this is all you've got to give. That is, that is openly declaring war on these players, and this is letting the hockey world know what he's dealing with. And I think, Ken, that there's a danger in that, and the danger that has to do with that that I think – that the other coaches in the years past weren't able to 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 go to war to this degree with these players is because this now, if 
what we're talking about, the Jets tearing down after this season. Yeah. If you are Kevin Sheveldayoff or whoever gets Kevin Sheveldayoff's job, if he isn't held around after whatever happens down the stretch here, how hard is it get to, to, to trade? How much harder does it get to trade Mark Shifley when Rick Bonus has gone out and basically pulled the curtains back and said, these guys, like, you should, I, like, at some point, a guy's got to have a little bit of pride in his game is what Rick Bonus said. If you don't have pride in your game, like, and you need me to walk into that room and motivate you and get you going, yeah. that's a problem. How hard does it become for a general manager to try and get full value back for Mark Shifley or Blake Wheeler or whoever if your coach on the way out said this? To me, this is Rick Bonus having pride in himself and saying, I've got a lot of pride in what I bring to the table. And there's no way I'm falling on my sword for people who aren't giving the slightest modicum of effort for me in this situation. I've laid out the blueprint. These players followed it. It worked. They stopped playing the blueprint. I've been trying to get them back to it. I've been trying to motivate them. I've played Mr. Nice Guy. I've tried to challenge them. I've tried to appeal to their pride. Nothing is working. At some point, the hockey world needs to know. Rick Bonus did everything he could, and there's players here who aren't willing to do the very least. Yeah, and I mean, it's so interesting. We talk about the, the, the psychology of coaching a lot, Sean. I mean, I know we feel uh, you know, certainly sometimes different things about different coaches, but, but what I love about most coaches at their core, they love a challenge. So if you're Rick Bonus, you spent most of the end of or second half of last year being told that it was time for you to retire. Suddenly somebody offers you a job, and this was not a, a quick fix picker-upper, if you will. This was not a minor, you know, uh, home renovation, right? This was a major project for Rick Bonus to sink his teeth into. And he's he's going, he's gone into the play or the coach's manual. He's digging as deep as possible. But at at the end of the day, it has not been resonating. And it's not him. This is now three coaches in a row for some of these players. So... It's very fascinating to me, and it would be interesting to hear. Rick is a very pretty truthful person, but he still has to hold back, right? He has to hold back to a certain degree. So, man, the conversations with Rick Bonus and Kevin Sheveldayoff, now those would be ones that we would like to dig into, right? Because what's the pushback from Kevin Sheveldayoff when Rick Bonus is saying to his general manager... What do you expect me to do? Look look at what's happening here. So that's what I'm very fascinated by to see what happens down the stretch run here into the offseason. I know you went deep with Hustler this week, Sean, on your hit in terms of the future, and we'll have plenty of time to dig into that. But, man, it is... <laughs> these are very interesting times for the Winnipeg Jets. And seven games, I, I have no idea what we're going to see. Honestly, I have no idea what we're going to see because sometimes the Jets wake up and they decide to be determined. And there's other times, I I don't think it's fair to say they mailed it in today because there's plenty of guys trying. But you got to find more than that again. I'm sorry. Two losses to the San Jose Sharks and two to the Columbus Blue Jackets. We understand losses happen. Bad losses happen to good teams. Right now, the Jets aren't playing like a good hockey team. 
and, and that's how I led my column that should soon be posted uh, at sportsnet.ca. And it's quite troubling because I, we talked about the pledge this year, Sean, or a little, not a, not a whole lot on the show. But what what happened to the accountability amongst players? There's none. What's happened to that? Honestly. Uh, I mean, and and this is why I think you have a lot of the problems that you do. Is that right? This is, like, there's no trust between players at this stage. I mean, how how can you how can you be you know Adam Lowry and see what Adam Lowry has done to gut things out over the last little while? Yeah. How can you be Adam Lowry and be okay with what you're seeing from around the room at this stage? And that's the tricky part, right? Is He's wearing an A, but one of the players that that is not pulling on the rope is wearing an A. One of the players that is not pulling on the rope was wearing the C until now, but still holds a, a bunch of power behind the scenes. We know this. Um, how how do you how do you reconcile that? How do you come right. together as a as a room when you are just going out and battling every single shift and you're watching it just go the other way. And I know I just wanted to bring this up quickly before we do the lamp out here. Yep. Craig Zamzow has covered this a couple of times and he's asked about this. And Craig Zamzow has been trying to make the point over and over again that the Jets were the better team as far as advanced analytics go in this game. Um, like if, if this would be the ultimate in moral victories, if we're trying to figure out that the Winnipeg Jets should have got, uh, you know, had an expected 4.46 goals compared to 2.69 against the worst team in the league. Like, if if this is the if this the, if this is the argument that we're having at this stage or the conversation that we're having, it is just a this is lipstick on a dead pig at this stage because the Winnipeg Jets, like I I, I get it. They threw a certain amount of pucks at the net, and yes, there should be one in the back of the net that James Reimer absolutely steals, but someone made the point earlier on, and geez, I should have started because that one looks to me like it's going to win the dig deeper comment of the game. But where was the net front traffic? Where was the chaos? Hey, you want to see a perfect example of this? And so, you know, I was yep. calling out because earlier, Ken, you didn't see it, but the first comment that we had in the show was someone wanted the snake charmer offense back. At least they were winning <laughs> games back then. And I said, you're seeing it. You're seeing the snake charmer offense. It's just not going in the back of the net because things are tightening up. I will give you, like, to me, Blake Wheeler right now, everyone wants to to beat down on Mark Shifley for this. Blake Wheeler is the ultimate in this at this stage where he, he pulls up and stops and passes the puck back out of the zone to a defenseman that isn't there. But you want to see exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to snake charmer offense. It's a two-on-one. Josh Morrissey has the puck. He's skating in, and there's this little play. Ken, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Mark Schleifley and Blake Wheeler love to do it, and they do it in practice all the time. They've scored a lot of goals at the NHL at this level. But what they do is they skate towards the net, and all of a sudden they just stop skating, pop, and take about two two steps backwards looking for a one-timer. So the defender is trying to stay in between the two players. And all of a sudden the defender who's skating back at full stride is, is suddenly out of position because that player stops. It opens up the passing lane. The pass comes across slapper. It's in the back of the net and it looks really pretty when it happens, but the defenseman didn't bite on this one. And so what happened in this situation, it's a two on one Josh Morrissey goes in and has a shot, and there is a perfect rebound there. 
And instead of driving the net, instead of the former captain of the Winnipeg Jets, who's all about work ethic and all the things that he's supposed to represent, instead of crashing the net and trying to create chaos like we talked about in those past games where you're trying to get pressure, where you're trying to make James Reimer, who's having a heck of a game, feel like someone's bearing down on him and there's a problem and he gives up a huge rebound. Instead of that player being there to tap it into the empty net or beat the defenseman to the front of the net, he's sitting back waiting for a snake charmer wide open one-timer shooting play this is not the way that you generate offense this is this is exactly what is plaguing this team to me that play could not have been more i could see the frustration on josh morrissey as he did this because sometimes you just can't beat the goaltender and he didn't but he created a huge rebound on a two-on-one that player should be going for that rebound He'd stop trying to go for it. If I'm Rick Bonus, I'm absolutely ripping my hair out. And I say this to end this off before we get to the lamplighter here, Ken. They pan the bench at the end of the game. And if we're talking about terrible, terrible body language on the players on that bench, like I'll give Dylan DeMello this. At the end of the game, he's standing. You know, you talk to him. He's got a sunny disposition. He still thinks the Winnipeg Jets are in a a position to do something and get into the playoffs. He's at the gate as the players are leaving on the ice, tapping gloves, trying to get guys going, trying to lift guys up. On that bench at the end of the game is Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele looking like the body language and the looks on their faces could not be worse. And these are the guys who have been your core members of this team since when? Since 2015, 2014? And, and this is this is 13. their body language. Earlier, this is Blake. the look on their face. These are the guys who are supposed to be rallying these teams. These are the guys who are missing in action on every single spot on the ice. And I'm talking that play, I think, sums it up perfectly. That camera shot panning the bench at the end of the game sums it up perfectly. The players who have the acumen, who have the leadership, who've been given the room in the past, who should be here now trying to pick this team up, are the ones pulling it down the absolute most. And just a quick one for Craig. And yeah, Did the Jets generate, well, we often talk about not enough shots. Yes, 41 shots. I was sitting beside Sheng Peng today from Hockey Now, at San Jose Hockey Now. And this is one of those games, Sean, to be honest, you're famous for this. I'm not even sure I would have named Reimer the first star in this game. I, I don't think it was a it was a sound performance outside of the paddle down. I don't think he was overworked. This was nothing like the Hellebuck 51 save effort a couple of years ago where he was under siege. You're right. Most things were from the outside. Yeah, great, you know, nice rebound. Stanlin, then Menelein, and yes, the two-on-one Morrissey, good shot, big rebound. Ehlers was on one of the two-on-ones. I just didn't find the Jets to be overly dangerous in the hockey game for the majority, no. and I don't think they carried. It wouldn't you wouldn't even say they carried the play in terms of zone time and quality. So, and that's the other part. The, the Jets have to be better than this. I mean, that's that's eight. They had one point out of eight to Columbus and San Jose. Sorry, I guess they won the first meeting, but. Uh, three points out of the available 10 that's just not acceptable for the jets or any team in the national hockey league and and what you said about the the core pieces um they're they're not playing well enough and uh one thing like 
afterwards, let's let's get into Ehlers after we do the the other sponsored items here, and then because I know this is a big topic of conversation for a lot of folks in the chat. We room have in terms to. Of, we have to get into here. Ehlers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So give me your lamp lighter on the night. Yeah, you know what? I think it has to be the LeBanc goal. The first goal obviously puts the Jets in a hole, and it's the game winner, and it's poor coverage, and that pass by Peterson or Pedersen that can't get through, Sean. One defenseman has to close off the pass. The other one has to have the person in front, Noah Gregor. The Jets did not have either player. You didn't shut down the pass, nor did you prevent the tap-in by boxing out or getting into good body position. That's a, that's a very poor play. I understand it's at the end of a penalty, but either way, that, that goal can't happen. But the second goal, for a Jets team that now has... Nine goals in seven games, Sean. Nine. And I think they've been shut out three times in those nine games. So for the Sharks to get the second goal from Kevin LeBanc, which, again, it's poor puck management. I don't mind the switch off. Some people are upset with Shifley because of the chase. He switches off and gives up Nico Sturm. There was a person to pick him up. It was bad net front presence by Neil Pionk on LeBanc. So just the cumulative series of events on that play, Sean, makes the goal for me by LeBanc. It's all the insurance the Sharks need, and it sort of is indicative of how it's been going for the Jets, where they make a poor mistake, and it ends up in the back of their net, and now they're chasing the game and really put themselves in a terrible spot, even though the Jets had two shorthanded Partial, one full breakaway and one partial uh, in that power play by the Sharks oh after w- 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 and I don't want to go off off uh, tangent Carlson, here but Carlson what is Carlson doing? Carlson looked like he was intent in like he is so much more interested in getting points than winning hockey games like if you're looking for the argument of why he wouldn't deserve the Norris Trophy it's right there because the yeah. points that he's trying to generate in, at the end of that game are points that almost gave the Jets a silver platter back yeah. into that game. This is just a guy who's trying to pad his stats at this stage and does not care whether his team wins or loses at that stage. This is like we have never seen anything from Josh Morrissey that looks anything like that at any point of the year. Yeah, he's had some down times where he's you know hasn't had his best game, but that that. Never mind derelict of duty. That goes against the the honor of the game, what Eric Carlson was doing in that position, trying to generate a point at the end of the game and almost giving the Jets a path back into that game. That was that was ridiculous. And here's the thing. You give him credit for back-checking to catch Lowry, but then he all lays it on the way by. He made all the effort to get back in the play, Sean. And then basically Lowry toe-dragged him and still got a grade-A scoring chance on it. So that was just a baffling series of events. And yeah, we, we talk about empty calories, Sean. Eric Carlson has three points in the last two games against the Jets. Two of the three are empty calories. Yes, yeah. he did set up Couture for the breakaway. But man, as a voter, I, I look at these last two games for Carlson. and To this point, I've had him first on my ballot. But the effort is so subpar in the last two meetings in the head-to-head. It, it's going down to the wire. I'm still not 100% sold that he is number one on my ballot. He's deserving to be in the top three because of his ability to drive play in terms of how much 
offense he helps generate, but he gives up an awful lot as well. And well, never anyways. gives up an awful lot. Like he like force feeds. Yeah. Like li- listen, they're I, openly I, talking about trying to get him a hundred points, Sean. That that's basically all they're playing for right now in the last. Well, eight and, games. and I mean, I guess, but what does that say? I mean, if it, it, what it tells you is that even if he does score 100, it's an artificial situation. Like, I think the last guy who did yeah. it was Brian Leach back in 1991. Brian Leach didn't have a team that was like, let's stop playing legitimate hockey and just try and get this guy more points. That was, that's absolutely ridiculous. Anyways, Ken, uh, your lamplighter, did you? Yeah, sorry, lamplighter, I'm going to land on Kevin LeBanc. Yep, sorry about that okay. sideways tangent. We don't, we don't need to go any further than that. Uh, that, that's, that works for us. I will say this. I think the chat room is absolutely rocking tonight in getting their lamplighter in here. They're doing a great job of it, and it's a good thing they are because the better job they do, the better their chances are of winning a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie, to hand you a eight-pack of Frosty Delicious Lamplighter Amber Ale, head on down to Transcanner Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room where our Kenny and Rennie crowd for our last live show was at 11290 Keniston this last week. That show was awesome. I want to say thank you to everyone who stuck around. It was a great vibe, Ken. I think everyone just wanted to cel- celebrate your birthday. You left them <laughs> hanging, and then no one wanted to leave. It's like they were waiting for the payoff, so everybody stuck around. We had a... Nights of the round table kind of night where we just love it. tables around, had a great conversation. That was a ton of fun. Uh, K&R, the, our chat room, our people who have come to our events, they are the absolute best. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for everything you've done. You make us feel like a million bucks. I hope we try to. I hope we make you feel the same way. Uh, and, hey, we're going to shut down that restaurant at the end of the season. Could be coming sooner than we thought, Ken, the way that the Jets are playing. <laughs> yes. But we'll have a Kenny and Rennie event at the end of the year where we're turning it into a media party where all your favorite media personalities from all over Winnipeg are going to be there. Uh, and we want to have all the K&R people there for one last big shebang. There won't be a live show to do. It'll just be us hanging around. We'd love to hang out and uh, have some beers with y'all at Transcanner Brewing Company. Again, it's going to be $20. You should direct message me uh, to get on the list. Uh, it'll be $20, and that'll get you all you can eat pizza and appies and two drinks, I think it was, if I remember correctly. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, don't quote me on that, but two drinks. Uh, it's a steal of a deal regardless, but we love hanging out with all y'all, so you should come hang out with us. Another thing I should point out, Ken, 250, 60 people in the chat room right now at 1.36 in the morning. You guys are the best. Absolutely the Love best. Uh, and the people at Transcanner Brewery are the best. And that Frosty Delicious Lamplighter, Amber Ale, that's the best as well. A lot of bests happening here. And I want to give a shout out to Steph B. Steph Ballingall, who is our Lamplighter winner from the last show. Uh, she was also at the live event. Uh, I think she had a good time. I know I had a great time with her. Steph, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Uh, send me your full name. And your email, and I will send you a voucher for a frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale, brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. And you might as well sign up for that year-ender while you're at it, uh, Steph. So send me that email. Ken, let's get to the Johnson. You've got you covered. Oof. Play of the game. This is pretty, pretty lean. Because we got to get going. Pretty, pretty slim I'm pickings just, on this I'm one. I'm handing it to James Reimer. I mean, for the paddle, the paddle saves. Oh God, paddle yeah. save. Paddle All right, is, that's an obvious one. Let's sure. hand it to James Reimer. 
that's the way it's got to go. You got to give credit to a save like that. Uh, and I just wanted to give a shout out to our friends, the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnson Group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits. Proudly administered by our friends at the Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca and thank you to the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnson Group and hopefully we'll have the boys, the Johnson Points down at the year-ender event because that's another thing is all Frankie and the boys from Vittorio are going to be there. Uh, We're going to have someone from from all of our, uh, maybe we can get Sweet Lou down there. That would be yeah, something. We're going to try. Sweet Lou. He'll probably be pulling off. If I know Sweet Lou, he'll be ripping off one-handed pinky push-ups <laughs> on the table in front of everybody. So you won't want to miss that. No doubt about it. Okay, let's get to Nikolai Ehlers because I'll say at this stage, um, I expected his minutes to go down, Ken, because with that third line yeah. that he was being put on, what we do know is if the Jets take penalties... Adam Lowry's out killing those penalties. That upsets the lines. He doesn't get out as easily, and that means right. Nick Ehlers misses time. So I just thought the logistics of the whole thing meant he was going to be missing time. I guess the question I ask is, how can you create any kind of scenario in which Nick Ehlers is missing ice time based on some of the people who are occupying ice time and doing nothing with it to the point that their head coach is calling them out for not doing so? Yeah, this is the one thing that I, I have been baffled by in terms of usage for Nikolai Ehlers. I've written about this in terms of the first power play, and Rick Bonus was asked about it by Marat. Uh, we were both thinking on the same wavelength, and he did ask him specifically about Ehlers and his ice time. Rick pointed out that there were a few instances where Kevin Stenland came out for a defensive zone face-off with that line, so Ehlers started on the bench, and then there obviously was the scenario where the number one power play unit stayed on for 151 so that that cut out another minute essentially of his ice time there still rick's got to find ice time for nikolai ehlers no matter how befuddled he is by some of his players uh see you down um he's got to find more ice time for ehlers especially for a team that hasn't been scoring there's there's no way around it and in the third shot rick took your advice he put Ehlers back with Nemestikov and Wheeler for half yes. the period. So and, and they looked great. Yes, when he did it. They sure. looked great. That's the thing I didn't. Oh my goodness. Anyways, cool. so that's a yeah. smart move. But you needed to find that he had five shifts in the second period. Sean, the Jets are down one goal, and one of their biggest game breakers is almost. No, I wouldn't say he's not staple to the bench. He's not benched, but they have to find ice time for him. There's just no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts uh, about it, Sean. So, part of that is on Rick. Rick's the whole, Rick's the guy handing out ice time. So, uh, he needs to find more ice time for him. I think you and I would agree. I think he needs to have Ehlers with that line. He moved Nino. It's unfortunate for Nino Niederreiter, but if if they're going to go power hour with Dubois, Shifley, and Kyle Connor, then Nino's got to be on that third line for a bit, and you can bump him up for a shift here or there for Wheeler or whatever they decide to do. But uh, the ice time distribution is not at an optimal level. 
Sean, it's absurd that a team is at game 75 and has no real like they have they don't do they have one line set basically and even that line has two-thirds set so uh, we've talked about pairs a lot and right now the pairs are not clicking the way they once were and that's a problem there's no other way to put it and i understand why the i know why the changes are being made is because the jets can't score but they need more from a lot of people and it goes beyond just mark and blake Though they have to certainly wear their share of the responsibility. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to get back to the original point about Ehlers, and I, I think I you know, probably summed it up pretty good when I started there. But it is, it, it is odd at this stage, and, and I get it, and I'm seeing the stuff. I know that uh, Rick Bonus um, is really highly against you know, the turnovers, and I think that he thinks that uh, uh, rather than getting wound up and skating the puck the way that he wants him to, that he's seeing a lot of, you know, like back pass type turnover kind of things uh, from from Nick Ehlers at this stage. But I mean, I, I go back to a point I made earlier in the show. Is anyone doing that worse than than Blake Wheeler right now? Like if Blake Wheeler isn't right. finding himself down the lineup or having reduced ice time or someone being given an opportunity rather than him at this stage. I, I don't know what to make of it. And it is one of the things that truly baffles me. And I'll say this, there's a front runner for this, for this comment here right now for the, oh. for the uh, uh, home field, dig deeper play of the game. Uh, but uh, yeah, Cam, Cam, Cam MBHF says you rip the C off Wheeler only to coddle him for the rest of the year. This baffles me at this stage because I, I, I see every opportunity. I mean, at the end of the period, what happens? They go back to the, like, you're talking about players that you're feeling the need to call out at the end of the game, but the line that you send out at the end of the period is Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and and Kyle Connor again. Like, going back to the old, old days of, you know, like, that is, you know, the that's the peak snake charmer time. Yeah. And yet that's what you're going back to. It's not being given an opportunity to a player like Adam Lowry, like, who, who's doing what he's doing or giving Ehlers an opportunity to find more space for him to try and create something or go to Vladi Nemesnikov, who seems to be giving you a spark every opportunity that he gets, or Nino Niederreiter, who came in here and was has, has been grinding and hasn't stopped grinding since he got in, or Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's shown mo- more over the last little while than I think a lot of the top players have. This baffles me that you get to this stage where, you know, and... and Believe me, I know there's a lot of people out there who think that, it, you know, like Ehlers is like a, a silver bullet or a magic bullet that is going to solve yep. all these problems and you're going to put him in. I don't think that that's the case. I think that he comes with his own set of issues. Uh, but at this stage, I don't get it. I don't get that a coach is calling certain people out and yet those people aren't being affected by their ice time and Ehlers time and time and time again is. I go back to this original point that I made some time ago. I, I don't know what it is fully at this stage that Nick Ehlers has found himself in the doghouse of Paul Maurice and then Dave Lowry and now seemingly with Rick Bonus, who the truth serum has never kind of got to the point where Rick has come out and said what it is that seems to hold the Ehlers back in his book. But at this stage, and I think it's a problem because I do think that the Jets are tearing down and their core is gone and that maybe if you want to keep some semblance of players who can give the, the crowd excitement, it's players like Kyle Connor 
and Nick Ehlers. But at this stage, it doesn't look like this organization is interested in finding what Nick Ehlers can do at his very best with his very best opportunity. I make the call again. If they're not going to do it, move the guy, get what you can for him, and let him go somewhere where an NHL organization is going to find out what Nick Ehlers is made of. Because at this stage, I can only say that he is not being given the opportunity that he deserves or, or, or should be given, and it's been happening for far too long. Well, and the other part of that, Sean, too, is can that we not just directly correlate that to the Jets' power play? Oh, it's not working. Why are you not flip-flopping Ehlers and Shifley, right? If, if they can only play, if they can't find room to, to play them together, which I still think is ridiculous, then put Shifley with Wheeler on the second unit and see if that gets them going. See if Nikolai Ehlers can get something going on the power play. There are even times where Shifley and Connor are on their strong sides. So you can't even use the excuse that they want to play the same position right now because they're not even playing the same position at times on the power play so if you're if Shifley's going to be gone like you've projected Sean Ehlers is going to be asked to pick up so much of the slack on the offense why not start giving him that opportunity now it's very confusing uh, I think Craig Zamzel may be onto something. I mean, we sit here and we talk about uh, the calling out, and I think with that we see it's directly related to Shifley and Wheeler, but Craig Zamzel makes a good point. Nick Ehlers could be one of the guys that he's calling out at this stage, as is a guy like Kyle Connor. Well, uh, one second, though. Just when he was asked directly about Ehlers, his tone was much different when asked directly well, about okay. Ehlers. Was what I, from being on the ground here, I understand why some people would think that, including Craig. And it's fair comment, but I don't think he would... If that's the case, why go out of your way to give reasons why he wasn't on the ice? He Rick would have he's already unloaded truth serum. Why didn't he just say I don't like the way he's playing? That's yeah. my interpretation of that situation. No doubt. Um hey, uh why don't you give Sweet Lou a shout out? Sure. For the folks who have realty needs that you'd like to be met, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, whether you're curious about what the house on the corner is going for, or maybe you're looking at moving to a new neighborhood, you can contact Lou Ferlin at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971, or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R. LAN.ca and his website with all of his listings, www.louferlin.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast, for which we are very grateful. Absolutely love Sweet Lou. All right, I know that this has been heavy, uh, but I think that the, I don't think the chat room would want it any other way. There's not a lot of silver lining to talk about here, but I'm going to try and brighten this up just a little bit. Let's see if we can't turn this. Oh, I can. Oh, good one. Head yes, version yes. Of the Kenny and Rennie show. <laughs> I don't know if Remo is still in the chat room. I know he had, a, he had a chat. He had a chuckle at this, but I actually today was trying to turn Sean's headband into my ringtone. Uh, and my daughters are not very technically savvy, so they can't help me. 
but I couldn't figure it out. I can't figure it out. And I know I remember reading you in the will. chat room. You will. Uh, <laughs> there you go. He's still here. I You'll remember figure Reed it out. Laughing, saying it would Call take, like, the CTO, buddy, the chief technical officer. Get in touch yeah. with the chief technical officer. Remo, if you weren't on the, <laughs> about to go to the show today, I was going to bug you and ask you if you could help me out. So maybe I'll have to do that tomorrow. Oh, uh, I need man. that. I need that in my life. A little bit of that action. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, quick one should... for Brent Chapman. Uh, Sam Gagne, done for the season. Double hip surgery. Suggesting that Gagne could come in. He, he's done for the year. He is yeah. not an option for the Jets. And I understand some folks have been trying to speculate about Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti was never going to be back during the regular season. He has not been on the ice with the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think that he will not be back before the end of the regular season at the earliest. So uh, when when we see him on the ice, we will be reporting on Cole Perfetti. But if people think that Cole's going to just jump into the lineup after missing all that time and solve all the Jets' problems, that's not the Calvary. He could help the Jets, but he's going to be having to make up for lost time so to expect Cole, whenever he's ready to play, to suddenly carry the offense is, is unrealistic yeah. expectation. Forget about it. Forget no. about it. That's, uh, I don't know what, how much of a difference that would make at all. And the Jets, I know a lot of people are always like trying to find these spots. And you know, I know someone said they've been playing bad since the All-Star break. They were playing bad before the All-Star break, right? Yeah. And people are saying, well, they've been playing bad since he went down. They were playing bad before that. Listen, this goes back to the winning streak that they had where they won, what was it, like 9 out of 10 games or 8 out of 9 games there at one point, Ken. When the calendar turned from December to January, and if you go back and listen to our shows, we talked about towards the end of that winning streak the way that they were winning, and we were saying they're not playing the right kind of hockey. This is not sustainable hockey. And their coach was saying the same thing. That's where it caught up to them. If anyone is looking for where the turn happened, they went, they ground through December despite being injured. They were still a team that was playing, especially, especially with all their stars out of the lineup and the injuries. They were a team that was still playing the Rick Bonus blueprint and they were succeeding. They stopped. They stopped as the calendar turned right at the beginning of January and they still kept winning. They still kept getting those games, but they were games. They were those games that, you know, that, seven five victories over the vancouver canucks where they just stopped playing committed defense this has been happening for a long time you go back to that it's not one player it is a team philosophy where they started chasing offense ahead of chasing that defensive blueprint and they've never come back to it and it's blown 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 me away and i'm going to say one last thing ken before we shut this down one of the things when rick bonus was hired that I was most interested in seeing down the stretch was Rick Bonus and his adjustments as a playoff series went on, right? right? We know that Rick Bonus, and we saw him as he took the Dallas Stars to the Stanley Cup final, and you and I know that guys like Jim Montgomery are excellent coaches like this, and uh, Chief in St. Louis is another phenomenal coach like this. Rick Bonus, I put in this category. If you go into the playoffs with a coach like Rick Bonus, he's the kind of guy who can make in-series adjustments that help put you over the top. And I was so interested to see what that looked like with this Winnipeg Jets team, especially at the beginning of the year, the way that he had them playing. To me, that's a dead dream. Like No matter what happens when the Jets make the playoffs, 
he can't get this team to go back to playing the style of hockey that they knew made them a victorious team. How the heck is he going to get them to buy into subtle changes from game to game that give them a better opportunity at beating a team in a Game 7 series? This team is looking entirely uncoachable at this stage. Uh, and I, I just I, I take a look at this, and, and I'm already at the what-could-have-been stage with this team. The idea of them snapping to it and turning things around looks like an impossibility to me at this stage, Ken. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's, if they do it, it would be some kind of turnaround, let's just say. Uh, it's a it's a strange time for this team, and when Rick says he, he wants to find out what they're, we're going to find out what they're made of, he's exactly right, because this isn't going to continue. And I know some people were all, oh yeah, well, I projected all these changes last summer, and I, I will probably be projecting more changes this coming summer, because there's no way that you can try to sell hope to a fan base by bringing back the majority of this group. And I just have to add one thing, Sean, I don't want to end the show as a Debbie downer for those people who think the jets are going to support a rebuild. The announced attendance today was 10,000 and change. There were not 7,000 people in this building. I'm not a great speculator of audience, but this building which we've been in. I was in this building, Sean, in 2016 when the San Jose Sharks qualified for the Stanley Cup for the first time. When full, it's one of the best buildings in the National Hockey League. Oh, yeah. Full stop. There, it was less than half full for a team that is openly tanking. And I'm not saying it's an equivalent market, but I don't buy the fact the Jets fan base is ready to support a full rebuild. They'll have to, as to borrow your term, hold the largest garage sale in recent memory and try to restock the shelves with players that can help them both now and in the future because I don't see this team going to ground zero, burning it to the ground, and saying, let's hope that this works out the next five years. And I totally forgot the last time when we talked about this, Sean, the Nashville Predators are also in that same situation as the St. Louis Blues. And I'd say Nashville's closer probably to Chicago and Arizona than probably they are to St. Louis, even though they're ahead of them in the standings now in terms of what their future is going to look like beyond Saros and Yossi and Forsberg. So that's why I still think the door is open in the central, but it's going to take an awful lot of general managing or general managering. And that isn't always easy in this market, but Tough choices need to be made, and tough decisions will be happening. In my mind, no there's doubt. no doubt about it. No doubt. Okay, it is time for us to shine a light on the spot, or excuse me, shine a spotlight on the comments uh, and choose a standout for the Home Field Dig Deeper Award. And this one came in right under, right under the bell. Craig Zamzow nails it. Says bonuses upset about 55 and 26, but plays 26 four minutes more than Ehlers and 55 seven minutes more. I think bonus needs to wake up, and I need a home field shovel. It is truly baffling to see Rick Bonus argue and excuse me uh, go to war with players in the media that he is rewarding with the ice time that he always used to say was the very hammer that he held over players he hasn't really used that hammer and maybe we know what why that answer is because we've seen what happens to mark shifley when his ice time is affected 
But uh, boy, oh boy, for a guy like Ehlers to consistently have his ice time reduced um, when players like this are playing the way that they are and not contributing the way they are, it is truly baffling. Uh, I think you nailed it, Craig Zamzow. Uh, and hey, thanks to Craig Zamzow for your winning comment. And just like Craig, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca. Uh, and boy, a deserving person. I don't can't think of another one. Craig oh, Zamzow, yeah. direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Uh, send me your email. Uh, I know it's your full name and want to give you a thank you. Craig's one of the people who headed in and got some suits done. With Frankie and the boys, if you want to talk uh, to someone about how they can, uh, the job they could do, he'd be a great guy. He went in and he told them Kenny and Rennie sent them, uh, and we appreciate him so much for that. And we appreciate your comments and your contributions. And because of that, you got a dig deeper trunk shovel from our friends at Homefield. Uh, congratulations. I can't wait for you to, uh, to put that thing to work. Uh, and that's it for us, ladies and gentlemen. I can't believe how late you stayed around. Thank you so much. Uh, heading on 2 a.m. I'm heading skiing tomorrow, Ken. Oh, amazing. Enjoy have myself. fun. Going to be yeah, a buddy. good time taking the kiddos out. Uh, all you have a great Where day to? tomorrow. Uh, Holiday Mountain. Oh, perfect. Holiday Mountain. Let's yeah. uh, say hello to Jason Bamford, one of my former Bay- Pemna Valley Orioles teammates. I think he is involved up there now, I'm pretty sure. There you go, Jason Banfield. Bamford. Bamford. Bam Bam, we used to call him a hard-hitting Bam first Bam. baseman. Lots there of great go. power in that swing. Good stuff. Ken, you rocked it tonight. Uh, get home safe. Uh, everybody out there in the chat room, you nailed it. Awesome. Uh, and, hey, start thinking about the idea of coming and seeing Kenny and I at the year-ender. It's going to be an absolutely awesome party. The parties up until this point have been in their guest, or excuse me, in their event room. This is the entire place is going to be shut down for a Kenny and Rennie soiree, everybody. So if you have any interest, get a hold of me. I'll set your name aside and I'll let you know. Uh, I'll send you the tickets when it's time uh, because we can't announce that until we know when the season is over and when we can organize the event. So uh, start thinking about that, everybody. We'd love to see you down there. Uh, and hey, I want to say this before I get going, like I always do. If you are appreciative of the conversations that happen in this space, please, please be appreciative of our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in this space for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, the Trans Canada Brewing Company, the Johnson Group, Sweet Lou Ferlin, and Homefield. Uh, thank you all. We will chat with you after the game. Is it Friday, Ken? Friday against the Red Wings, which also includes Friday Friday against Jet the Ring. Andrew Cobb. Going to be a good one. Okay. See you later, everybody. We'll talk to you after that. Oh, almost forgot the, the music. Here we go. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you by Homefield. Cambrian Credit Union. Lou Ferlin. Trans Canada Brewing. Vittorio Rossi. And Johnston Group.